This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. You're listening to the Old School Blues Podcast. Old School Blues Podcast. This is episode number six. Uh, I'm Vince, your host, sitting alongside Eric. Hey, folks. Joining us again this week, we have Colin from Dead Game Society Mother Chapter. Colin, welcome back. Hey, gentlemen. Kind of like how I got the NPR thing going on right now. Hey, folks. Uh, we got another bunch of songs about clouds coming up for you. Ooh. Are they happy clouds? They're happy clouds. Happy, uh, happy. Do you paint with magic white? No. <laughs> anyway, uh, go go ahead. Go to dgstexas.com for our website for the Old School Blues podcast. You can ping us with an email at oldschoolpodcast at dgstexas.com. We did get an email recently for uh, a review product, but I'll, I'll send that to you, Eric, on the side. See what you think Ooh. about it. And uh, maybe we'll do it in our next episode as a review. It's always fun to review OSR products out there and help promote it for the uh, author. It's fun. Definitely. Have to make the OSR great again. Always. (laughs) 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 Anyway, so our topic this week, we're going to talk a little bit about superhero games. Now, we've all played a superhero game back when we were kids, or maybe you're just starting out, but... We played Marvel, we played DC, uh, what's another one? Uh, Villains of Vigilantes, we've played all those games. Champions. Champions. It, yeah. Was Champions big back then too? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, box set when I was in high school. And that was what, back in 1985 is when I graduated. 85? Okay. Yeah, Champions came out uh, even before that, right? Yeah, it came out Champions. like 82, 83, I think. Yeah, Not quite sure. It's an old game. That's probably yeah. the only one I haven't played. I, I did play a lot of Marvel when I was in middle school and high school, and a lot of DC heroes, and a little bit of V&V. Not much of it, but I didn't really like V&V as much. It was kind of like D&D, V&V. We always related it that way. But mm-hmm. So, Colin, you usually run superhero games at conventions all the time, and in fact dress up as well, because I've seen you. <laughs> <laughs> What go, what do, when you sit down to plan for your superhero game, how do you start that whole process? That's going to be the, the whole trend of this topic tonight, planning and what makes things interesting. So you're the leading expert here. Let's go for it. Well, I think one of the uh, the things you do with a superhero game is is you kind of you plan it or, or design the adventure, you know, obviously around the, the superheroes you're using. Right. And... It, when I get stuck or when I'm not sure what I want to do, sometimes I'll just go directly to the comics mm-hmm. and, and see what's out there. So uh, a good example one time is I really wanted to play uh, the Justice League. Okay. And in that case, I was going to use a system called uh, DC Universe, which oh. uh, West End Games came out with. With the dice with the pictures on them, right? Yeah, they had like pictures Superman and uh, it was fun because you had like the Flash had his own die. You know, and like Superman had his own die. It's like they, you know, he had this like dice set, and it, it was, was like it, a D6 system. Was that after the, uh, was it Mayfair DC? It, yeah, it was. Yeah, All right. it was after that. It was based right. on the and, master system, right? 
Uh, this one was based on the D6, like D6 Star Wars. Right, but wasn't because oh. uh, I know there was a whole bunch of them for WEG and West End Games, and that one was based off the, the same one they used for Indiana Jones. Am I correct? Oh no, no. What what you're thinking of is the Master Book. The Master Book, yeah. And the Master Book is is different. The Master Book is actually the complete opposite direction. So okay, if th- you think of, so, West End Games had basically three products. They had uh, Master oh, Book products, which like- were really like kind of crunchy, rules-heavy, like really yes. super realistic. Then they had their standard D6 system, right, which was like D6 Star Wars. And then they had this thing called D6 Legend system. Legend, that's it. And uh, it was a little simpler than regular D6. It was and this, Xena had that also. That was right. Exactly, yeah. right. Um, Tank Girl, I think, had it. Yeah, Tank Girl, yeah. Um, and uh, maybe something else, uh, Necroscope? That. How, how, does, that, how anyway. does that work, anyway? Because I've never actually used that system. Yeah, it basically what it is is you roll. Um, it's very similar to D6, but you're getting success, okay. success rolls out of it. So you have a dice pool, let's say, of six D6 okay. die, and you roll it. And if you get like a five or a six on four of them, it counts as four successes. And then you're rolling against a difficulty number, which is typically like, I don't know, like the armor of the opponent or, or maybe if you're scaling a wall. So it's kind you know, of you like, have to you have to get a certain number of successes to be able to climb the wall. It's like vampire, then. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It, it is a little bit like that. Okay. And um, for DC Universe, you know, you'd have these pretty big die pools because, you know, if, if you're dealing with like Wonder Woman or Superman, you know, I mean, they're super strong. So you'd have like 24 dice. <laughs> yeah. That Oof. you would actually roll, right? And, you know, so you know, it can it can be a lot to kind of add up. Yeah. But um, when I plan for a game like that, I, was, I remember one time I was running it at a convention. I was thinking, well, I really want to play the Justice League, but how am I going to do this? Like, you know, Superman's so powerful. You know, the Flash is so powerful. He can move so fast. You know, how am I going to do this? So I, I looked at one of the DC comics, and there was a storyline uh, called The Queen of Fables. All right. And it was really neat because what she did, she was this sorceress. She was kind of like Circe. Right. But she derived all of her power out of books, which sounds kind of weird, but like anything that happened in the book, she could do. So if it's like a book of fairy tales, she could do anything in the book. So she had these like vast powers, you know, that came out of these books and she turned the entire island of Manhattan into this big like fairy forest. And then it was difficult for the for the heroes to fight her because of her vast magical abilities. So at one point, I got the idea. I'm like, well, I want to use this villain, this Queen of Fables, and I want to fight the Justice League. So I, I put her in the um, the Met- Metropolis Library, and then she got inside the um, Alice in Wonderland. Or no, she got inside in the, into the Looking Glass. And at one point, I had this big uh, chessboard that I pulled out, this giant wooden chessboard, and the players had to move their pieces onto the chessboard. But what they didn't know is that they moved into like a pawn spot, they could only move like a pawn. Oh. Or, or like if, if Superman moved into the knight spot, he could only move like a knight per every round despite his super speed. So that kept it down to a manageable level. So he wasn't doing like 30 things around. round. Uh, so okay. I used magic and I put these kind of like restraints right around the character. So... I think that's that's one way you kind of plan the adventure, you know, throw something at the at the heroes to try to contain them a little bit and, and give them a challenge. So um, how about you guys? I mean, uh, 
what do you do when you plan? Uh, I actually revolve mine around, like you said, the villain, and do work my way down from there. To be honest, I a lot of times I don't. I don't. I'm, when I'm planning superhero games, I'm not thinking about the characters first and foremost, like you were. I start with the actual villain, get the plot down, get how how I'm going to hook them in, and then try to work around the group itself. Interesting. See, for me, the issue always is I don't. As much as I enjoy reading, I was a DC kid when I was a, a kid. Yeah. Um, uh, as much as I enjoy reading comics, even these days, though the prices are insane, um, I <laughs> don't like using comic book universes because it's like playing in the Forgotten Realms. If your players are up on, oh, oh that, that's not canon. That's not how it happens. That's not <laughs> how. It, I, I don't. I don't like that. Like what I liked about Champions when I was a kid is that it had like a default universe that was unique to it but my players didn't know it so i could reach into that and find stuff that was you know canon i guess or at least you know fit the setting and fit fit the default you know fake world fake fake earth fake usa while still being new to my players but the other thing i always try to do at least with champions it kind of worked that you had a your players were balanced by a point cost as opposed to like other systems where your your power structure between the characters can be very variable, and that really, to me, made it very hard for me to get an adventure that my players could all excel in. When you've got, you know, Superman on the one side and I don't know Green Arrow on the other, the 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 the, the power differential was never something I felt comfortable with, especially using canon games. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just little old me. Well, I, Villains of Vigilantes was good for that too because it didn't really have well, it had its own universe, but it right. wasn't like you know, oh, like, I read in the comics type deal. So, and and yeah, V also had like random powers, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some games were very um, you know canon heavy. I remember uh, DC Heroes, right? It was you know they, I think after their first box set that they came out with, they immediately revised it after the. Uh, um, the crisis on infinite earths. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So they really wanted to make sure that it was like up to date canon wise, but unlike, you know, champions or villains and visualizing, you know, some of these other games are, it's kind of its own universe. Yeah. The only, the, the own universe to me was always a better thing for me as a, as a game master. Cause I didn't have my players' expectations on what they should expect. They didn't know what to expect because they didn't generally know the universe that well. Right. So, okay, so what what makes... Okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit about supervillains. Eric, you, we'll start with you since you kind of like your own custom type thing. Right. What goes into making kind of an interesting supervillain in your mind? It, there has to be something that everybody has a shtick. If you look at Gotham, uh, and you watch Gotham these days, I love it. All these, you know, sort of, me and my wife, it's a, it's our weekly thing. We'll watch it generally the day after it's on. But uh, we like it because each of those supervillains, I don't call them supervillains, has a unique shtick. You've got the Mad Hatter. You've got uh, the Riddler. You've got the Penguin. He has something that defines him. Your supervillain has to be Defined, and he has to be bigger than life. 
if he's not bigger than life, he's not a supervillain. He's just a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so something has to whether, and he has to act bigger than life. Again, look at the Mad Hatter and his uh, excellent putting character. On his, his yeah, his his way of talking and presenting himself, and talking in rhyme at times. All that stuff is making him bigger than life. Your players have to look at him and say, "Wow, this is an awesome, awesome thing." Otherwise, you could just be throwing out, you know, a bunch of thugs. Mopes. Yeah. Do you guys find also that sometimes in, like, superhero games that the the villain comes to the characters versus the characters going and slaying the villain? Right? So, like, in standard D&D, it's like, well, you go into the White Plume Mountain and you go fight the monster at the end, you know, the ogre mage or whatever, and you defeat him. But in superhero games... If you're dealing with like you know the kingpin and your daredevil or something, and the kingpin's like out to get you, you know, so or, or you know, I don't know, or Doctor Doom or whoever, it's it's like the villain actually arrives on the scene and starts creating chaos and going after you versus you going off on some expedition to deal with the villain. I don't know if you guys, that just kind of occurred to me. Yeah, they they often do that. I I find that you're right actually. In my at least in my games, I usually try to have the villains go after the superheroes, but it is most of, I've noticed that most of the games are set up that the heroes chase the villain. Cause it's like always you're in your headquarters and all of a sudden the alarm goes off and the villain is, you know, this or that. That's how a lot of the V and V games were set up at least. Right. It's like being, it's, it's reactive. Whereas fantasy role-playing, you're going into the dungeon, you're being proactive. Uh, most times, uh, when it comes to superhero role playing, you're reacting to what the villain's doing. You're trying to stop his evil. Without him doing evil, there's nothing for you to stop. Yeah, Marvel was that way too. It was always you're lounging around, and all of a sudden the alarm goes off. It's always, a lot of those modules always started that way. Right. <laughs> you're here in the in the Baxter Baxter Building. Yeah. Hanging out, watching TV, and then suddenly the mole man appears in the giant, you know. <laughs> oh, no, not the mole up. man again. I, you know, that. just as a side thing here. Yeah. So the, some of the best villains were the Batman villains, but some of the worst... Marvel has some great heroes, yeah. but, man, some of their villains really suck. The <laughs> mole man! The Sandman! <laughs> okay... Please, no. What about Squirrel Girl? Oh, no, she was a hero. That's right. Yeah. I mean, wow. Sure, DC had Mixoplixoplix for... Yeah, oh, sure, that's right, yeah. Hey. Make me say my make me say my name backwards. I can't even say it forwards. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Okay, so... Making a, an interesting supervillain is... I usually kind of... If I'm making a custom supervillain for the campaign. I like to go through the book and look at the other supervillains and try to pick out what makes them really interesting, like how you were doing, making a great villain, Eric. Right. I like to pick out, like, Mr. Freeze, what his gimmick is. Okay, what can I do? Something like that. Maybe, you know, go through the powers and try to find something that really makes him stand out. Not just, like you said, a thug. Right. And then work my way down from there and creating his backstory and then 
Because when I create the villains, it's not just a, you know, a villain of the week type thing or a monster of the week type thing. This guy's going to be doing something major in the city, and he's going to escape. He's going to be running around laughing at them for a while. So we don't want him just to be there and gone. Oh, and that's just that, too. Comic books are a great resource for that, even if you're not working in a canon universe. Because Mr. Freeze, how many different versions are there of Mr. Freeze? Especially if you look at the movies. What, wasn't it Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Mr. Freeze one time? Mr. Freeze. Yeah. And then you have uh, the Mr. Freeze from Gotham. Uh, you have the Mr. Freeze from the comics. And you don't have to call him Mr. Freeze. You can even change the, the powers around, but you can use one of those personalities as the template right. that deals with the play. And it's a shortcut. It's an awesome shortcut. Yeah, if I'm dealing with DC, I, I don't know about you guys, I always think about the animated universe, like the Batman the Animated Series or Superman the Animated. That's always what comes to mind for me, like how the supervillains are going to be and how, how it's going to play out, just because that's just my favorite. You know, I just thought that was so archetypally great. Oh, yeah, the old Batman cartoon series was awesome. Uh, the new Teen Titans is, is interesting and fun, but it's not a superhero show. I don't know what it is. <laughs> go Titans Go or something like that. I watch it with oh. my niece. Oh, she loves it. yeah, t- Teen Titans. Yeah, I, I do like Teen Titans, though. That was actually pretty interesting. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, but the, the new one, she loves it, but she's going to be six, and that tells <laughs> you what it's aimed at. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they actually have, uh, did you watch Young Justice at all, either? I watched a little Young Justice. It was good. Yeah, they're doing a new season coming very soon on Netflix. On, oh, on Netflix, really? Yeah. Netflix picked them up for another season, so that's... Oh, cool. nice. Another bonus. You thing. guys remember? Um, was it uh, Justice League Unlimited? Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. that was great. That was really cool. I remember. No. <laughs> South Park. Wow, I, I got to do Park some binge watching. Yeah, you do. There's some good seasons of that Justice League Unlimited. Oh, yeah, God. That, was, that was a lot of fun. It, every week, it was like new heroes. Uh, they, they were like basically picking from like the whole universe. Wasn't it Justice League, and then it transitioned into Unlimited, right? That's right, yeah, yeah, Justice League. And and then they went up into space with their rotating base, and Martian Manhunter <laughs> was up there, and they deploy heroes depending on what was going on. And, like, every week it was somebody new. There is a plethora, plethora of shows out there to watch right now to get oh, yeah. inspiration from. And, I mean, and you, could, you could totally, um, you know, fashion adventure after that. I mean, you could do a Justice League Unlimited, then you start in the, the orbiting space station, you know, the, the watchtower or whatever they called it. And you know, deploy your heroes down into the, you know, into Russia or something to fight some new supervillain. One thing threat. that has escaped me, and, and a lot of people keep asking, well, what do we play? This is like that street type superhero game, like Arrow, the TV show. Mm-hmm. And I can't ever really get that to work. I, I don't. It just it just turns into basically into like hack and slash D and D every time I try to do it. Oh well, that's just it because you're not. Fighting larger, see, larger than life villains don't die, right? But street thugs in a dirty, gritty, uh, arrow type setting or uh, daredevil type setting from like the TV show on on, on Netflix, right? Uh, Jessica Jones, people will it, 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 it death is going to be part of that just by the very nature that it's so it's hands on combat, whereas. With your general supervillain, you're fighting the Riddler. You're trying to stop whatever he has in motion, but not necessarily him. You're not beating the crap out of the Riddler. You're stopping his 
evil plans that are in motion. There's a difference. <laughs> right. And... Like the Joker will have some like bomb that's going to go off when it hits midnight and you don't know where it's going to happen. You know, it's right. There's some insidious plan behind the works. So that, that's why street level stuff. That's why Arrow and anything like even if you wanted to do something like uh, based off the Shield TV series stuff like that, it has a body count built into it, which doesn't really play up to comic books. Comic books, the body count is also always the civilians off screen. Oh my God! Look what happened. <laughs> 75 uh, civilians were killed, 14 police officers, and 17 firemen when uh, some random villain uh, was rampaging in Metropolis. The Mole Man. The Mole Man no, came. It's more Metropolis. can't be the Mole Man. <laughs> no, it has to be Manhattan. But, uh, you know, I mean, and that's the thing, too. When you're dealing with superhero games, it is literally larger than life. Fights happen in downtown. Buildings get destroyed. They don't seem, doesn't seem to have a long-term effect on the population. No. But <laughs> they buildings should. get destroyed, streets get torn up, subways get, you know, ripped apart. Uh, and then by the next day, the magical... Oh, sorry. Not magical, because it's not a magical world, but whatever. The super technology <laughs> uh, repair crew comes out, and everything is back to normal. And they shake their heads, and they don't remember. Right, because I would never leave my house if, if, if superheroes were really in existence. Although right. they, they might get really upset and pass the Superhero Registration Act. Oh, well, then, we'll have, then we'd have Civil War. That's right. And then more stuff gets destroyed. destroyed. And it's completely counterproductive. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'd have to agree, though, that if you're dealing with the, uh, the, uh, the Arrow-type, nitty-gritty superhero stuff, it is going to play more like D&D. Maybe D and D in an urban environment, but it's going to play more like D and D because you're going to just be piling up the goons. Right, definitely. I mean, like a good, well, something I always think of as far as like a D and D like, you know, superhero adventure would be Daredevil going down into the subway system, like the sewers and everything, uh -huh. to confront the Morlocks. Oh, that'd be fun if you remember that. So it's like yes. that's total D and D. You know, Morlocks. it's like he's going through the passages and dark corners, and there's you know. Morlocks down there to fight him. So that's very D and D like. Yeah, you gotta throw Luke Cage into it, a few other uh well, martial fighters. They had mm -hmm. the Batman the role playing game that came out in eighty nine to try to you know, capture the whole Batman movie coming out. And obviously that failed because they had <laughs> made like a million copies of that and they never sold any of them except for like me and my friend who bought one. Yeah, I have it, and it, it's weird because, you know, it really is just a scaled-down version of DC Heroes. Yeah, right. They always it, nicknamed it, it 1.5 edition. Yeah, it uses the Mayfair exponential game system. Mm -hmm. it, it's just really, it's just street-level Mayfair is really all it was. I mean, it just didn't have the whole cosmic, you know, you're it not going to have the anti-monitor anti or, you know, dark side. You're not going to have any of that. It's street-level stuff. And it just never worked. I mean, we tried playing it. It was just, I don't know, it just didn't work. Unless you were Batman, it just didn't work. <laughs> I mean, you could play the Teen Titans, but... Eh. Nightwing? Yeah, you could play Nightwing. They had uh, them all okay. in there. Yeah. Batman, Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl, there. Whole full party. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, they, nobody they all suck besides Batman, but... Anyway. Yeah, nobody wants to play Batgirl. 
Huntress? How about Huntress? Huntress is cool. I like it. Yeah. It depends. She has, on... she has a crossbow, dude. She has a crossbow. Yeah, but yeah, okay. Yeah, she's mean too. Yeah, it depends yeah. on what universe you're playing in too. That you have to take that into uh, account because yeah, you're Huntress right. was only in one of the universes, not in the main universe. So, well, no, when she when she was first introduced, she was in the main universe. But yeah, I've lost track of how DC has retconned and oh yeah, it's changed so many times. I mean, just like Marvel. I mean, Marvel, I. I stopped kind of looking at Marvel Comics a while ago, and I have no idea what's going on. I mean, it's a, they keep rebooting, yeah, over and over again. It's like there's no continuity at all. I don't, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, last time I read Marvel was probably in the '90s with X Men and Punisher. I haven't read them since then. I read right. DC every once in a while now because I love DC still, but they're even they're getting a little wonky with their re- rebooting everything, stop rebooting, rebooting. They just did the. <laughs> right. They just okay, did, Oh wait, no, that reboot. Ignore that reboot. We're gonna yeah. go back to the boot before that. They just did. That's right. They just finished up the new fifty-two or the new new fifty-two to reboot everything to another fifty-two. I, I don't well, know. Yeah. I, I want. Uh, and that, that's that's fifty-two what titles? Uh, fifty-two titles, fifty-two universes, or something like that. It was called. Or something. Well, it, it was. It was supposed to be what, a new launch every week or so. Uh, they're please. They, they just they're just it's a money thing because each title now has two comics per month coming out for everything. So there's two oh, Batman's, two Detective Comics, two Action Comics, two Supermans, two Ar- uh, Green Arrows, two Green Lanterns. It's just like give me a break. That's too many comics. Well, I, I just remember getting annoyed when they added it went from Superman. To uh, and had Superman Adventure, and then Superman became Adventures of of Superman, so they could launch a new Superman title. I'm like, now I got three Superman titles to follow, and then they did the same with Batman. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god! You, you yeah. remember where that that first that first happened, right? That I think it was with Marvel back in like the early '80s, where they had. The Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh yeah, there were like three Spider-Man titles. And then we, oh, regular Spider-Man because we need to uh, launch a new title. Right, just, Marvel just Team Up. That was Marvel Team Up had Spider-Man and then somebody yep. else like Luke oh, Spider yeah. Friends and things like that. Right. There was a, a girl where I work with. She comes up to me. She's like, "You read comics?" I said, "Yeah." She goes, "I want to read Spider-Man comics. Where do I start?" I went, "Ugh." Yeah. <laughs> just it's just like, where do you start? She's like. What do you mean? I go, there's like 70 million Spider-Man titles. <laughs> She's like, well, well, you can read uh, Spider-Man 2000 and what, 2099? 2099. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Actually, I, 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 I did like that. I found it interesting watching it. Oh, look, they got female priests for the Catholic Church. That's kind of cool. <laughs> um, uh, listen, I, I used to be a Peter David fanboy back in the day. I, anything that he wrote, I was, I was reading. But, uh, Unfortunately, my next question to her was: She said, "Well, I want to read the one from the movies." I'm like, "Well, do you want to read the one from the movies with Tobey Maguire? Or you want to read the one that just rebooted? Well, the one What's that's rebooting reboot? again from now, from the Avengers?" And she just went, "Never mind," and walked away. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I would just tell him, "Let's just watch the movies. The movies are good. Marvel, the, the Marvel movies are are really good, and they made me forget things like the Green Lantern movie, which." When that came out, I was so disappointed. My favorite superhero of all time. One of the worst superhero movies oh, of yeah. all time. It was yeah, great that they made fun of that in Deadpool, though. Yeah, that was great. It's like, well, look at that. You act, you actually survived to become I, an actual successful actor in a superhero movie. I have to say that Marvel does 
well with converting the TV show into, or the TV shows and combining them into the movies and fleshing them all out that way. As opposed to oh, DC, huh. who just, I don't know what they're doing. Oh, with the movies or the TV shows? The TV shows and the movies. They, they, they don't, I, don't, I think they're two separate entities at this point. I don't think they even they are. are. Yeah. yeah, but I, mean, I, I thought I thought Arrow was pretty good in Gotham, right? Yeah, but they're not the same. Like they're not the same like, time frame. Oh, they're, they're not the same universe. Yeah, right. Technically, I you mean, know, when you have when you look at what's going on with the Netflix shows, they're all taking place in the same Manhattan, and they reference the movies. Yeah. Obtusely. Yeah. Well, the great battle that destroyed uh, downtown, whatever. You know, they don't mention. But they mention, whereas with the DC stuff, Arrow is going on in its own little neck of the woods. I guess was it uh, Flash? I don't watch Flash. Uh, I okay, watched some. Yeah. Supergirl, yeah. Flash. Well, no, Supergirl is not with them yet, but she will be. Uh, she's in a different universe. But Flash, right. Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow are all in the same universe together. Well, Legends okay. of Tomorrow is in a different. So, so they they could intersect at one point or another. They they have right. they have many of times. Yeah. Oh, they have. Okay. All right. So Vince, you gotta do something for me. I tried to watch Legends of Tomorrow. I love Legends of Tomorrow, dude. And uh, the first episode, I made it about halfway through, and then I was like, I can't. So tell <laughs> yeah. me, tell me, it's it, I, I should go back and and make it to the end, and all of a sudden I'll find something different. You. What is Legends of Tomorrow? Is that? It's basically a bunch of superheroes that are not really superheroes they're just led they're called themselves legends they're going through oh, traveling okay. through time trying to stop in the first season vandal savage the villain from was taking he, over he's a great villain oh no, yeah he's a very good villain he was in uh oh what was it demons the, com- the comic book series i can't think what it was but... yeah i think it was demon which of course was you know came came off of batman yeah of course yep uh yeah so they spend the entire first season trying to find Vandal Savage and kill him to move on to the second season where they finally uh-huh. get the Justice Society of America involved. So it's really good. Oh, gets, okay. Yeah. It's well, definitely... Yeah, that that actually reminds me as far as gaming goes um, that some of the stuff, like if you think about you know, superhero games and if, if you think the comics that they're based off, it doesn't necessarily have to be these kind of archetypal superheroes. So no. if you look, for instance, in like the DC universe, remember, remember the title Warlord? Yeah. Yeah, he was like this sor- oh, I love that. sorcery kind. Of, I mean, you could totally do that. I mean, I did a uh, an adventure one time for uh, Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld. Oh, Remember? my sister used to read that. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did a full on adventure on that, like her and her, you know, her group, and they were fighting. Because I really wanted to have a magical superhero adventure, and I'm like, well, she's a sorceress. Right. So, so you don't always need to do like you know Batman or Spider Man or Superman. You know, you can kind of think outside the box and use the same system if it's, you know, DC heroes or Marvel, you know, uh, Marvel heroic role playing or, you know, whatever, whatever you want to use and, and then just grab heroes from anywhere out of the comic universe. Hmm. Definitely well worth it. Idea. Well worth it, Eric, for you to go rewatch that whole entire first season. Well, I actually not rewatch. I actually have to watch it. I have to get past the, you know, the 30 minutes of the first episode. It just seemed... I maybe I was confused as to what the heck was going on. My my wife really loves it, and you know, so yeah, if she right, likes well, it. Uh, then, yeah. You know what? That's a good standard. Because Rach really uh, loves Gotham, and she loves all the Netflix stuff. My wife uh, loves so. all the superhero shows, so she's right there with your wife. So, all yeah, right, my wife, my wife likes it too. 
Yeah, but you're doing wife... something right if they can, you know, get both sides of the literally both sides of the wedding aisle uh, to enjoy these shows. Yeah. They're hitting on uh, something that's not just uh, adventuring and kicking ass, but also telling a good story at the same time. And and that is something that it looks like uh, Marvel has learned with its, right. uh, you know, TV and movies. And and I'm sure like our wives liking this stuff has nothing to do with the fact that there's frequently like shirtless men who are like ridiculously ripped and oiled down, you know. Well, I have to say my wife does not <laughs> my wife does not like the Marvel universe at all. So really, no, she can't stand Daredevil. She thought it was re- retarded and dumb. Uh, she couldn't stand. She can't stand. Uh, was it Agents of Shield? She's just like, oh, this is boring. But she likes the other DC universe. So I don't know. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't get into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. either. Um, I couldn't like either. Agents of Shield. I just, I, really I, like I got it. about four episodes in, and I'm just like, uh, yeah. where is this going? That was my problem, too. You have to wait. The sixth episode, like, everything explodes. Everyone kept telling me that. Just stay in there until the sixth episode. Trust me. Okay, so maybe I need to go back to it. Cause yeah. Daredevil is kind of the same way. It it started kind of slow. Yeah. And then it's like once the Kingpin's introduced and things start falling into place, then it got really interesting. Oh, God, yeah. But before that, it was a little bit slow first, for, you know, first few episodes. Yeah, Agents of Shield. Once you get to episode six, things start falling into place, and then they have a really great villain for uh, with the whole hive and things like that going on into season two and everything. So yeah, definitely well worth it. All right. Cool. So uh, back on topic again. <laughs> Us off topic? Yeah, never. never. For our for our last little piece, we're going to talk about here props, and uh, I know. Colin, you're big on props as far as dressing and how helpful did that? Because I've never actually sat and played in one of your games at, at Gen Con or any of the conventions. I only I saw you running one when uh, I was running my game in the same room. But how did that go? What did the people? What's the reaction and, and comments you get back from all that? Well, I I don't tend to like if you're talking about like costumes and stuff. That's like that's Michael yeah. and Corey. Those guys get in like costume. I, I, I occasionally get in the costume. Yeah, I've, I know you um, have. So yeah, right. But I'll use um some props and stuff. Like I frequently, what I'll do is like for my last superhero adventure, um, I did a Teen Titans uh, prom cruise adventure. So it was the you know this prom night, and the Teen Titans are on on a cruise ship. So I'll get like a big, you know, a giant, you know, cruise ship diagram. And and then I'll use the uh, the hero clicks, you know, on, on the cruise ship diagram. I'll move them around. So I'll do that. Um, I know Michael at one point he did a a Marvel superheroes kiss adventure. Yes. Where he took the band Kiss and they turned them into superheroes. And then he actually built a stage with like the Kiss like it was like actually lit up and he had like sparklers shooting out and all, all kinds of stuff. Wow, really? And and, and then you had the the he actually took hero clicks and he turned them into the kiss characters. So, and then he showed up in full battle armor. I mean, he, you know, it totally went over the top. He always does. Um, <laughs> but like Corey, he'll, um, he does a, uh, a He-Man adventure and he uses the, uh, I think he uses Marvel superheroes, the TSR mm-hmm. system for that. Yeah, you could. And he's got the full like castle gray skull. <laughs> and he's got like, and you have like the He-Man dolls and everything. Wow. So, I mean, the players love it. You know, it, it's it it can make a difference in some cases if you're doing like a convention game. Um, if you're doing a long campaign just with your buddies, I mean, 
it probably you know shouldn't do it, but <laughs> but just for like a one shot fun thing, it, it it can make a difference if you use your imagination. I found with uh, my Marvel games, my DC games, getting the hero clicks and letting people pick their heroes based on the clicks and modifying them just so they had that little visual in front of them, and then building little sets of styrofoam using. Uh, I don't know if you heard of DM Scotty. He's on uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Ah, good. He takes he uses tells you how to use cardboard for those who don't know, and use hot glue how to make your you know make your little set pieces for your game. So I could build things that way, and people seem to enjoy that. But it's really painfully a long process. It so, is, wow. yeah. So unless you're using yeah. something over again, and you're not moving around too much, it's I don't, sometimes it's not worth. Like if you go into the comic book store, like when I go to play, go to the comic book store. It's not worth building a whole thing and trying to get it down there without breaking. So, right, right. What about, what you, about Eric? you, Eric? Yeah, uh, I I am so non-prop. It is disgusting. Um, and, and and the reason is, most of my gaming when I was younger was with my you know group from high school and college, and uh, these guys. I was lucky if I could put miniatures on the table and they could remember which one was theirs. They didn't care. <laughs> okay, so that that and then uh, when I came back to gaming, it was pretty much through VTTs like Fantasy Grounds and now Roll Twenty. And I am I I'm, I'm going to try to convince myself when I when we kick off the new campaign to start using uh, virtual counters and virtual minis. I just would use a map and tell people with a little pointer, you're here, and this is what you see. Because that's how I always gamed D&D. For superheroes, I can definitely see how being able to visualize a hero will, will help. First, because I think even with like V and V, didn't they have like a, a space for you to draw your own hero on your character sheet? Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's because visualization certainly helps with that. Of course, I have the artistic skill of a snail so none of that will be, ever be accomplished by by me so yeah props with me would be glue all over my fingers all over the desk and <laughs> on the probably cat, nothing on the dog. yeah on the cat because <laughs> she'll be on the desk and uh yeah it, it just doesn't the cat will be stuck to the desk <laughs> which which really wouldn't be moving her very far from a normal spot like like, like right now she just Walk up from her snuggle spot near to the desk to now stand in front of the screen and ask for neck rubs. So <laughs> that's yes, what they do. Was uh, quite entertaining when we used to do the uh, video podcast, watching the cat go oh, back God. and forth. <laughs> you, yeah, you see the tail because her tail would always go by. It's like, what the hell is that? It's the tail again. There's Ashley. Yeah. Uh, and, and have you noticed that somebody's been very quiet? Shh. I'm not mentioning names. You can because mm-hmm. you won't hear it. Yes, Donka has not made a guest appearance this week. That's because Glenn's not on. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I think with the the props and stuff, you just you just have to make sure that it's not a limiting factor in the game. Yeah, right. Uh, that's always what I'm concerned with. I'm like, well, you know, if I introduce this, am I going to be kind of limited what I can do because the props, right? So, like, I I I never use like in my D and D games. I don't use like you know. Uh, dungeon pieces like dwarven forge yeah they're wow uh they're cool i mean oh, I, yeah. I like them you know stefano does great stuff but um i just for me it's it's just too much building and and it's it's just a little bit limited um yeah i'm more theater of the mind 
Right. I use like a map. And even with my superheroes adventures, I'm kind of the same way. But as far as battle goes and stuff, superhero adventures are pretty tactical. I mean, yeah. where people are, what they could do. Like a Cyclops shoots his beam, you know, where is he in relation to the villains? You know, it's very, it's very miniature war gamey. Placement's very important. You're right. Right. All right. Well, I think we're going to leave it right there for this week and uh, tell everyone to uh, send us their ideas and uh, give us some comments and feedback. Head over to iTunes, look us up, Old School Blues Podcast, give us a review and uh, give us some feedback. Anything is accepted. We just need feedback. That's all. So we're going to say um, good night, everybody. Arrivederci. Good night. And let's make the OSR great again. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs>